There are some things that are too good to keep a secret. Like how your Amex Platinum card helps you have the perfect trip. I'd like to check into the Centurion Lounge. Or how it seems like you always get those hard-to-snag tables. Ooh, yum. And how you get the most out of select can't-miss events. With access to the Centurion Lounge, Resi Priority Notified, and Amex card member benefits at select events, you'll have to share. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow the global story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. You never want to find yourself out on the water fishing without the essentials. So it's best to always pack a Columbia PFG Solar Stream Elite hoodie to protect against the sun. I mean, it provides great protection and it's really breathable so you don't get hot. That's a win-win. Columbia PFG has a lot of great gear. So before you head out on the water, head over to Columbia.com slash PFG to shop their performance fishing gear. This is the Yahoo Sports NBA Podcast. Hosted by Chris Mannix. From interviews. Let's bring in John Wall. He's Reggie Miller. Bring our exposure. To the latest NBA news. To insights you won't get anywhere else. Rioting is bad. You shouldn't riot. Past episodes of the podcast can be downloaded in the iTunes Store and Google Play. Why wouldn't you go back? Subscribe and leave a rating or comment. Here he is. Speaking of guys putting their foot in the mouth. Chris Mannix. Yes. All right, joining me this week on the podcast, you saw him very recently on the Yahoo Sports NBA Draft Show. Did a terrific job there. Been around the NBA for many years. Now the uh, former assistant GM, or former GM, I should say, of the Atlanta Hawks. Sorry to reduce your title there. He's Wes Wilcox. What's up, man? What's up, man? How are you? Sorry, I cut you down a size there. You were actually a GM there for <laughs> several years. I'm, I'm used to the cut down from you. Yeah, you got used to me on draft. Man. I, think I've, I do think I've exhausted the number of uh, Dwight Howard jokes. I think I've ran out of them. Somehow I walked right into this once again. <laughs> see, see, there there it is. <laughs> Maybe we'll get to Dwight at the very end, sign a new contract uh, with Washington. But, but first, so much to get into uh, in this first week, and no bigger story you know, than the Lakers. Uh, LeBron lands there. Uh, L.A. signs a bunch of guys that raise some eyebrows uh, with that group. Let, let's start with LeBron. Uh, how surprised were you given – everything you know about LeBron, his mindset, that he would go to L.A. over other destinations like a Houston, like a back to Cleveland, maybe even another destination X, Y, Z. Did any of that surprise you? No. Uh, It made sense. We all knew that uh, the Lakers at some point were going to land a superstar level player. And you got to give the Lakers credit. They've done a nice job in the draft, drafting some good young players as we know. And then they created the opportunity for, for potentially two max guys this year or maybe kind of a two-step process, right? A max guy this year and a max guy in 19. And so, you know, when you line it all up, when you take a look at it, like, it absolutely makes sense. Yeah, I, I, I get all that. Now, the, the stuff I don't get are the guys he, they're kind of putting around him. And this idea that they're going to reinvent the wheel in some ways when the wheel is LeBron James. I mean, you look at Miami – how they play with LeBron, a lot of small ball. Cleveland surrounded him with shooters. L.A.'s doing kind of the exact opposite. Mm-hmm. These are competitive guys. These are playmakers. But what they're saying is that they don't value shooting around LeBron as much as other teams have valued shooting. What do you make of that? Yeah, I really think this is about flexibility and a, and a larger view for the Lakers and less about this exact roster construction. 
I think it's safe for us to kind of assume that when the Lakers are the best version of their team that we're going to see over the next couple of years, the roster is going to be different. And so, you know, all these one-year contracts, the players have the right to veto trades that they have to waive. But typically, those guys waive those trades. They're veterans. Um, certainly, the playmaking is probably a little bit of a reaction to the lack of playmaking in Cleveland that we saw so, that so much relied upon LeBron. Um, and so it, it's, it's a combination of staying flexible on one-year deals, planning for 2019, adding some real veterans, probably adding some playmaking. But when we get to you know, November, December of next year, the narrative probably is going to shift to, wow, we should probably get more shooting. And my guess is they know that. It strikes me, though, that this is an incredibly combustible bunch. I mean, you put Rondo alongside Lonzo Ball, and now all I'm reading about is Rondo as a mentor, which he's been. Look, Sacramento, Chicago, New Orleans, he was a mentor, but all three of those spots he was a starter, and he was getting mm-hmm. starters minutes. For sure. I wonder what happens with, with Rondo and Lonzo. The fact that Lance Stevenson and LeBron James are teammates is unreal. Like, it's... West is unreal. Like those two guys are going to be actual teammates. So like the practices are going to be great. Like you bring in competitive guys yeah, for sure. into that situation. But like Rondo and Lonzo, like what was your immediate thought when Rondo entered the mix? Surprise. I mean, surprise because of the roster construction for sure. Um, and the roster construction aside, you're bringing up the, the more, may, maybe the more interesting kind of component of this is the personality of that group. I mean, it is going to be a huge group of kind of personality which will be great for the nba to follow it'll be really interesting oh, they're clickbait city out there clickbait <laughs> it city. Is. i mean it's it's amazing uh the group and certainly lance you know the history of lance and lebron uh but one thing about lebron you know it, it was i'll never forget in cleveland the first time that lebron left i was there in 2010 in the front office and when when training or when it was like uh september an open run started and LeBron wasn't there for the first time, all of a sudden the games were like, you didn't realize it, but like those open gym games in September running up to training camp, they weren't as exciting. They weren't as intense. And and it was at that moment you realized, wow, LeBron raises the level so much more than any of us could, could, could really quantify. And one of the things LeBron does that is inc- that, that we all know but is amazing, he's an elite competitor. So he respects other competitors. There's no question. He, he looks at Lance and, and says, man, that guy play. No, no one would argue Lance doesn't play his butt off and tries to win every moment he's on the court. Some of his decision-making you know, can be questioned. And Rondo's the same way. So my gut is maybe not stylistically and maybe not personality, but kind of their core competitive nature, that's going to speak to LeBron, and LeBron's going to respect that. And he'll raise the level of everybody else because of that. I think he does. I just, you know, I, I, I think LeBron's fine. I think LeBron and Lance would be fine. Look, from what I was told, you know, Lance's camp checked in with LeBron to find out, is this okay, basically, that, yeah. that I'm going there. Uh, I, I just don't know how Rondo and Lonzo coexist. I mean, I don't think you can play them together like you played Rondo and Drew Holiday together. I think that's a different dynamic. Drew, more physical, a uh, uh, bigger player. Um, and can shoot. And can shoot it. Yeah, I was trying to think of his numbers last yeah. year, but can shoot it. Yeah. Um, Rondo and Lonzo together doesn't make a lot of sense, especially if you want to play a Contavious Caldwell-Pope to give you some shooting yeah, that's out sure. there on the floor. I just look at it like if Rondo's not playing in the fourth quarter, he's going to have something to say. If Lonzo's not playing in the fourth quarter, Lavar's going to have something to say. And you know, you know Rondo, you know Rondo, like he's not going to let a Lavar snipe go. Yeah. He's going to snipe right back. He's going to like say his name wrong or, you know, just, you know, take some kind of a veiled shot at him and then we're off to the races there. Oh, for I mean, sure. I feel like like next year has the ability to just have, you know, Luke Walton, and we haven't even gotten to him yet, but Luke Walton having to put out fire after fire within this team. Yeah. No, the Lonzo Rondo fit is curious for sure. Some of this, though, has to be a hedge to injury for the Lakers. You know, Lonzo missing 30 games or whatever it was. Just 52 games last year. Whatever it is. And so, you know, now there's there's talk about this knee. Like, the Lakers have the best information, right? Does he need surgery? Does he not need surgery? What's going to actually play out there? How long is that going to take? So this might just be more of a hedge based on injury for kind of Rondo to be the starter. Give them time for Lonzo. It's a one-year deal. They'll deal with it, and hopefully Lonzo you know, ho- hopefully Lonzo emerges to be a really good player for them. And there is the, 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 the whispers around the league, right, that does this, does this 
kind of create a, a pathway for Alonzo trade. Um, which, you know, what do you think the value is of Lonzo? And how big an issue do you think for teams is LeVar and the circus that kind of comes along with him? You know, the bigger the media market, I, I think the bigger the, the challenge of voices outside of kind of the player for any, anybody. Uh, so a, the smaller the market, I think it's okay. I think it's less of something to be concerned about. It's certainly something that teams will kind of work through and have conversations about. But ultimately, we, it's going to come down to the level of player. And if somebody believes Lonzo is going to be a very good player, then they'll make a trade for Lonzo. Lonzo still has value. There's no question. It might not be what it was on draft night, you know, drafted number two. Um, but that's often the case. You mentioned the size of market. I mean, to, to, we don't know where we're at with Kawhi at this point, but I don't think San Antonio has much interest in Lonzo in, in a Laker-centric trade there. There. We should also say there's, there's going to be teams that are going to stay away from it for sure. And San Antonio is one of those – is an organization that tries to eliminate as much noise as possible. And so it would make sense for an organization like that to – they may really like and respect Lonzo as my guess as a player, um, but you could see like a hesitancy because of just their kind of style as an organization. How big a challenge – is this going to be for Luke Walton with this team? And I look at Luke, who's a good coach, but he's taking on LeBron James, which is difficult. I mean, mm -hmm. a LeBron James coach team is is a challenge to do. I mean, lots of coaches can attest to that. He's also not Magic Johnson's guy. Like, Magic knows him. He's endorsed him. But Magic and Rob Palenka both came in after Luke Walton uh, had that job. I mean, how how difficult do you think this is going to be for Luke this year? It. I would first say it's a great opportunity for Luke um, and Luke's a really good guy. I've gotten to know him a little bit over the years. And, you know, kind of it's, it's interesting that they're in the same draft class, you know, uh, and, and we know kind of that whole narrative. It, it, it's a total unknown at the end of the day how it's going to play out. I think, you know, LeBron will, will respect Luke, um, but the pressure is on for the Lakers. When, whenever you get a – or the pressure is on for any team that gets a franchise – you know, level guy for the first time. The expectations change. And so it's just going to come down to, to whether or not the Lakers win and to the, at, the, at the level at which they win, which, and I'm a big believer, even with the, maybe it's not the ideal roster construction, this is going to be a 50-win team, even in the West. And this is going to be a playoff team. And, and my gut is the, the, the West 3-8 to eight is pretty much wide open. And though they're, the Lakers win 50, that doesn't mean they're going to be third. Because whatever it was, 47 wins made the playoffs last year in the West. So the Lakers may be seventh. I don't know. They could be third. LeBron's just that good. And, and my hope is it works for Luke. He's a good guy. It is going to be – it's a great opportunity, and it's going to be a great challenge. I'm going to go 45, 46 wins for them next year. I, I just – I think if you're going to start you know, talking about LeBron like the next Carl Malone and playing him in the post – Teams are going to double. Yeah. Like I've talked to some coaches about how they would approach a, a LeBron low post centric type of team, and they'll they'll double a lot more than they did when he was with Cleveland or Miami because Cleveland or Miami had a bunch of shooters, and in the playoffs, teams decided like Boston was a great example. Decided, look, we're going to deal with a contested LeBron two versus mm -hmm. him throwing out to a Corver or even a J.R. Smith or one of these guys for open threes. If those guys aren't on the floor, he's going to face a steady diet of of double coverages, maybe triple coverages yeah. at times. And if they're not making shots, I don't know how they – I mean, they'll get better. I mean, LeBron's great. Like, they'll get better. But, I mean, I think it's going to be a dogfight for them to get into the playoffs next year. Well, it's good. This is why people have different points of view. Mm -hmm. This is why this stuff's interesting. I, I would I, – I understand how you see and – You're all supposed to agree with me on the podcast at all times. <laughs> and this is, I don't know if you haven't seen – every guest has to agree with me. Uh, that wouldn't be interesting. <laughs> no, it's not. Uh, but – I absolutely see that, and that could absolutely be the, the way it all plays out mm -hmm. with LeBron, um, especially because this roster construction. And the other thing to this, though, is like one of the great challenges of LeBron is people have tried to get – coaches have tried to get LeBron off the ball since, you know, going back to – I was with Paul Silas in Cleveland when, when LeBron was a, a rookie into his first two years, and then I was fortunate to hang around with Mike Brown and, and go through that whole time. And, like, there's been a challenge to kind of – find other ways to get LeBron involved. And what always happens is he's so good with the ball, he ends up with the ball in his hands. And that's why you need shooting around him. So it's good. This roster that we see now, my gut is you're going to find more shooting. You just have to find more shooting with LeBron. Um, 
And so that's how I think they'll ultimately get more shooting and they'll win 50 games. And you and I can be, you know, kind of going back and forth next year when they're, you know, they're third in the West. Well, it's, it, one of the interesting things here is that outside of LeBron, the team's kind of built to play with pace, right? I mean, mm-hmm. Rondo plays up-tempo, um, Lonzo, Ingram, young guys that play the open floor. But in recent years, the Cavaliers have not been an up-tempo team. I mean, I don't know how that works, too. Like, if you want to take the ball out of LeBron's hands, great – but you're putting in the hands of guys that want to go up and down, and that hasn't necessarily been LeBron's game. I don't know how it becomes his game. It turns 34 in December. Yeah, and this is, but this is the way they tried to play in Miami. Now, it was a, longer, a, a younger LeBron then, but you know, they were trying to play fast because they had three guys, three you know, great players, all-star level, Hall of Fame guys, that need, all needed the ball. And the best way to share it, increase possessions. So there's more possessions to share it. And... and, and increase the speed of play, which takes away the stylistic need for shooting, or maybe minimizes the stylistic need for shooting. Now, it would be interesting to see that because there is some pace of play in the West that LeBron certainly hasn't seen. And you're right, the last couple of years, Cleveland has played slower. All right, we'll get back to my interview with Wes Wilcox from right here at the NBA Summer League in just a minute, but I've got to tell my listeners about a great deal from our friends over at Quicken Loans. Support for this podcast comes from our friends at Rocket Mortgage by Quicken Loans, America's premier purchase lender. Let's talk for a minute about buying a home. It can be one of the most important purchases you'll ever make. It certainly was for me. But today's fluctuating interest rates can leave you with unexpected higher payments, which can turn a great experience into an anxious one. That's why Quicken Loans created their exclusive power buying process. Here's how it works. They check your income, assets, and credit to give you a verified approval. This gives you the strength of a cash buyer, making your offer more attractive to sellers. Once verified, you qualify for their exclusive rate shield approval. They'll lock your interest rate up for 90 days while you shop for your new home. Then, once you found the new one, if rates have gone up, your rates stay the same. But if rates have gone down, you get to keep that lower rate. Either way, you win. It's the kind of thing you'd expect from America's largest mortgage lender. To get started, go to rocketmortgage.com slash Mannix. Rate shield approval only valid on certain 30-year purchase transactions. Additional conditions or exclusions may apply based on Quicken Loans data in comparison to public data records. Equal housing lender, licensed in all 50 states, nmlsconsumeraccess.org number 3030. All right, let's talk about uh, NBA doomsday. The worst thing to ever happen to the NBA. (laughs) DeMarcus Cousins, um, after seeking a max contract, after seeking a 10 million plus per year contract, did a 180 and said, I'm going to sign a one-year deal with Golden State for the $5.3 million uh, exception. Uh, surprising, stunning, really, uh, everybody across the league. Give me, like, scale of 1 to 10. Uh, 1 being Cousins has almost no impact on Golden State. 10 being Cousins is a difference maker for them winning a championship. Where do you put it? Well, it's hard to answer that question because they've won championships without him. So my gut is they, they could win a championship without him. But I also believe it will be easier for them to win the championship again assuming the team is healthy and assuming DeMarcus is, you know, a, a good version of healthy, the, the championship road just got easier because the, the one defense that we saw was everybody switching over the years to try to contain, you know, keep, keep, keep bodies on bodies to try to contest these, these threes. Mm-hmm. And that created a challenge for, for um, Golden State. And now they're just going to be able to roll DeMarcus down in against the switch, throw it in, and he'll score it. So one to ten, it's hard, like because they're already a championship team. I do think this makes them a significantly better, a better team. And, and assuming healthy, they're they're just going to be that much better. Now they got five All Stars. You know the the outrage about Cousins signing there. It really wasn't limited to fans and media. You saw guys like Patrick Beverly, Jay Crowder, guys take to social media with like some variation of "Come on, man! Like, what are we doing here?" Uh, is this bad for the NBA when you see a, a multi-time all-star, albeit one with a significant injury, uh, going to, you know, by far and away, as you said, the, the best team in basketball already? So outrage, no, not, not, not from my perspective. I think this is just the general envy of the dynasty that, is, that we're watching here in Golden State. If we take it all the way back to Golden State, they draft Clay and Steph outside the top five, Draymond in the second round. Then they make an unbelievable trade, which I think people forget about. It was the Andres Biedrin's Richard Jefferson contract 
dump of, mm-hmm. with two first round picks to Utah that actually ended up allowing us to get Paul Millsap in Atlanta in 2013 to, to sign Andre Iguodala in free agency. We were also pitching Andre Iguodala in that same offseason. So, so the, those transactions set like that set the foundation. And then there were some uncontrollables, right? Steph's ankle, which leads to a uh, below market extension. The cap spike in 2019 or 2016, which every, the 25 teams had max room, which means 25 teams had an opportunity to sign uh, Kevin Durant. And now you roll into the, the current landscape, right? The, the unforeseeable Achilles injury, right? Uh, compression of the kind of free agent spending in 19 because the cap has slowed and, you know, all the contracts signed in 16. And the market evaporating with the style of play. So, like... I don't, I don't begrudge Golden State one bit. They have done a hell of a job in building their team with opportunities that every other team had. Mm. Um, and then maybe, you know, maybe, and their execution has been like one of the best with Boston and San Antonio and Oklahoma City over the years. As, as, and even, I would even throw in Utah now as one of the cleanest executions we've seen. And so, yeah, is it like totally surprising? Absolutely. But, like, I don't understand kind of the vitriol or the, the, the reaction because, like, this is – this what Oklahoma what, – I'm sorry, what Golden State has mm-hmm. done is, is just the best execution we've seen in a long time, and, and that's how they end up with DeMarcus picking them. I think it's great for Cousins, too. I mean, once he realized the money wasn't there and, you know, for whatever reason, whether it's the injury or the fact that there still is kind of this level of toxicity, I think, around Cousins for some teams – uh, once you realize that was off, you know, off the table, you go to Golden State, you can rehab on your own time, you can play for a very functional franchise, and you can get yourself a championship. And you can re-enter the market next year if you're fully healthy, and if you've repaired not only your body, but also your image, I think those offers will probably be there for him. Maybe it's not full max on, on four-year full max. Maybe he's not getting that, but you, know, you can get a $20 million plus per year offer, I think, from teams. No. I, I agree with everything you said, and right now when you run the numbers, there's like 12 teams with 30 million or more in room, mm-hmm. and a couple of those teams, like Brooklyn with 60 and the Clippers with 70 million dollars in room, there's there's without question, uh, there's going to be assuming he's healthy, you know, with with the injury, he, there's going to be a much better marketplace for him for all of the reasons mm-hmm. you just laid out. Do you think that Adam Silver has often pushed or have been talking a lot lately about the hard cap and you know a lot of that is as relates the the competitive imbalance that we see with golden state at the top um do you think that's in the nba's future i mean they've got to collectively bargain it and we both know that's a war yeah. uh, with the union if that happens but do you think that the nba would strap on their helmet and, and make that the hill that they die on for lack of a better phrase uh, it, it's hard to tell my gut is it doesn't happen um because of the you know the 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 challenge with the players association uh in that negotiation um but it but but the mass migration of stars is something that has the attention of everybody in the nba and so it I, you know the attempt with this new whether it's the Derrick Rose rule in 2011 cba or the designated player extension in the 2017 cba we haven't seen that retain the best players in in the league. One of the things we looked at pretty deeply when we were going through some stuff with with potential free agents over the years is, you know, how many three-time or more All-Stars heading into their third contracts change teams? Change teams via free agency or change teams via trade? And one of the things in our numbers, now this was about a 20-year study, like 17 of the 23 at the time had changed teams. Mm -hmm. The only guys who had stayed, this was going back to like 2015 is where it kind of started. And the only guys who had stayed at that point were like Paul Pierce into their third contracts. Paul Pierce, Dirk Nowitzki, Kobe, Mm -hmm. Wade, guys who have won it. Everyone else, it's natural when you get to that first opportunity to have a choice if you're not a contender, right, what you look to to try to move on somewhere else and lebron started this of course in 2010 when he left when he left uh cleveland mm-hmm. and and bosch went with them and since 2016 we've we've seen this trend continue mm-hmm. right we've seen uh in 2016 it was durant and al horford had left left team cha- or chain well they left teams and then you saw you see kyrie request a trade you see uh gordon hayward change teams 
And the only guy that you see Paul George kind of request a trade. Mm-hmm. And so the only guy now who has stayed most recently has been Russell Westbrook mm-hmm. um, that meets kind of these criteria. And, and this, is, this is the larger, which this is kind of the, the, the root of your question about mm-hmm. the hard cap is how, how, do you, how do these smaller market teams, um, how, how do they retain their stars? Mm-hmm. So then we can have a better competitive balance across, across the league. It's a great challenge for the league because my gut is this trend's going to continue. Is is look is changing the extension rules something that would help? I mean, nowadays it's like a big story, and Boston's not a small market. But you know, Kyrie Irving gets asked, "Are you going to extend?" Well, it doesn't make any sense for him to extend now. He goes into free agency next summer. Mm-hmm. He can get the the five year max. I think it's like eighty million dollars more mm-hmm. uh, from Boston. Does that make any sense to for the NBA to look at that? those extension rules because one thing it does do it extends contracts even longer which I know they don't I mean that goes back to the days of like Marbury and Jermaine O'Neal and guys Mm -hmm. with those uber long contracts that they wound up not living up to but is that something that could help small market teams you know fixing or adjusting these extension Mm -hmm. rules they've already done it you Mm -hmm. know in the 20 in 2017 in the new CBA they changed the rules to where now you can do your veteran extensions can be 120 percent of their current salary, right. which is significantly more than the hundred and seven, well, seven and a half percent in in kind of the the previous collective bargaining agreement. Absolutely, I, any opportunity to, to for a for a for a the incumbent team to retain their their players, their stars is uh, is something that should that that probably is good for the league. The challenge, though, is what ends up happening is then those players end up making more money. And they're across the league. You know, every team's not not, or, or the the financials of every NBA team are not the same, right? Like the local TV deals in in Chicago and LA are not the same in smaller markets in Indiana and Milwaukee. Mm-hmm. And so it's not just that. Typically, t- typically the tax teams that you see are the competitors, or no, I'm sorry, the contenders, so the best teams that are pushed into the tax, mm-hmm. or the, the big market franchises, because they can, they, they, that, that business can just afford to pay more tax. Mm-hmm. And so it, it's, not a simple, it's not a simple solution, and one that's been debated for a long time. And you're right, longer is not the answer either. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's why it'll be interesting just to see how this conversation evolves. I, I think that, you know, we could, it could be kind of a moot point in some ways. I mean, look, there's a real chance that the Golden State window closes after this year. I mean, they've got some big mm-hmm. financial decisions to make. Yeah. I mean, taking Cousins out of the equation, but, you know, Clay Thompson, he'll be a free agent. Something tells me they can find a way to make a deal because Clay seems to really like it uh, to being part of that mix. But when Durant signed that one plus one, that really put my antenna up because Durant next summer can be 30 years old and have three championships, two finals MVPs in his back pocket. His legacy will be kind of secure. And he can kind of look around and say, what else do I want? Yeah out of my career. And, and you're hard pressed to find many people, even those kind of in Durant's orbit that will tell you that he sees Golden State as his final stop, as his final destination. So, you know, if Durant goes and depending on where he goes, that could open things up for, for everybody, really. Yeah, for sure. I mean, the, the, this is like every offseason in the NBA seems to get bigger and bigger. And 19 now is the, it's, I think there's 200 potential free agents. Yeah. There's the top of the free agent marketplace. We didn't expect Durant to add to that 2019 kind of free agent class. And now you have, you know, 12 or more teams with max room. So you're going to have kind of a, the most fluid marketplace in terms of spending we've seen since 2016. And you're right. The backdrop of a guy like KD uh, having had all that success yeah it could change and I agree Clay is well positioned Um, and then the financial implications like you know you got to give it credit like it it, people have said like oh it's the obligation of the owner to spend when when you have the window to contend and you're probably right but those who actually some don't do it and Golden State's doing it just like Cleveland did it and the Lake and Gilbert, like those guys deserve the credit for spending so deep into the tax to keep these teams together. Yeah. And I wonder with Durant, does he cast a lonesome eye back to Oklahoma City? Does he look in that direction? Because you know, we all know, yeah, he's a very sensitive guy and mm. he's still very sensitive to the criticism, even though it's a ridiculous one, that he's a bandwagon hopper, that he just joined a super successful team and he's not really a reason behind them winning a championship. I wonder if he looks back at Oklahoma City, look, stranger things have happened. I mean, LeBron went back to Cleveland after Dan Gilbert 
wrote Comic Sans MS. Oh, know, there's no doubt. Napalmed him there. I know that there's financial <laughs> gymnastics. Oh I mean, napalmed him. That was, that was pretty much what he did. Uh, um, that's great. But I, I know there's, there's salary cap gymnastics to, to overcome in a situation like that. But, you know, Durant backed Oklahoma City. That would position them with Paul George to be arguably the best team in the West. So let's play capologist real okay. quick. So I, I'm just, I haven't looked. I could look it up. But let's just say uh, Russell is 37. Something like that, yeah. Right? Uh, Paul George is 32. So now we're dealing with, just call it Stephen seven. Adams is full 20, 20, 24. Yeah. So we're talking about $70 million, let's just say, for, for Russell and for Paul George. And we want to keep Stephen Adams on that team? I think you can move Stephen Adams okay. if you had to. Well, you have to. You I mean, I was kinda, it was no kind of where I was going. But, like, yeah, no, I mean, and, and so, look, if anybody can do it, right, Daryl Morey or Sam Presti Damn. can figure out how to move yeah, some I mean, Can't everybody do it? Like, everybody always says, like, you know, this team doesn't have enough cap space to sign player X. But, cap, like, if, if, like, right now Houston looks like they have, they have no cap space. But if LeBron said, I'm coming to Houston, Daryl would find a way to clear the requisite cap space to do it. Like, teams do that all the time. Yeah, uh, most of the time. Mm-hmm. You know, I would say absolutely Daryl would find a way to get mm-hmm. LeBron to Houston. You know, you, you, you wave and stretch uh, Ryan yep. Anderson, and then you start moving your pieces. The most valuable thing in the NBA um, in terms of asset value, right, franchise-altering player, like elite franchise player on a multi-year contract. But the second most valuable asset in the NBA is good player under contract on fair value contract. Mm -hmm. And that's why, and then we can keep on going down the list, but that's why most of these good teams have good players on good contracts. Those things are movable Mm -hmm. and the, the less movable contracts, um, you can find a way to incentivize those. Mm -hmm. So yes, like if Durant said, I'm coming back, my gut is, especially with, you know, whatever we just said, 12 teams with $30 million, million dollars or more in room, let's just round it up on average to $45 million a team because that's probably what, what it really looks like. Mm-hmm. You have 12 teams at $45 million. So that's, let's just call it $600 million or $500 million, $550 million on the marketplace. Mm-hmm. You're not going to have $550 million spent in first-year salaries. Mm-hmm. So there's going to be $200 million available for incentive, and you don't have to move $200 million in contracts. Mm-hmm. So, yes, it can get done. How's that for capital? <laughs> That was, that was some serious nerd talk there. Some <laughs> Sorry, serious, we, we geeked out on the cap. Serious capologist. Um, speaking of immovable contracts, uh, Carmelo Anthony, who as we speak, still a member of Oklahoma City, but it certainly looks like it's trending in the direction of either a trade, which I think is unlikely, or a buyout stretch provision. We know the, the cost savings yeah. to Oklahoma City is enormous, potentially as much as $100 million when you factor everything in. So it looks like Carmelo is going to hit the free agent market if you're a GM of a team, what are you thinking about Carmelo Anthony? What, what, is your, what are some of your first questions if you are talking to Carmelo's agents about what he wants? So Carmelo had a, had a good year in Oklahoma City. Fewer shots, I think average 16 points a game, maybe a little bit less efficient, but not really from three. Shot 35-ish from three, around 40 overall from the floor. Yeah, so a little maybe less efficient than in the past, but still I average 16. Um, and one of the... Every player is evaluated through their, through their contract. So that's one of the, 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 the LeBrons and the Russell Westbrooks make 30 million, Steph Curry, they make 30, but they're worth 90. And you know, when you're making 28, let's say Carmelo is really worth 20. Well, that, 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 that's a challenge in evaluating, right? Like, or I'm sorry, he makes 23 or whatever it is. Like, that's a challenge and you can't get away from that. But now when, when you separate that, that contract goes away and now you're looking at Carmelo Anthony mm-hmm. at you know, whatever it is, the, whatever, whatever it is the exception yep. or the tool that ends up like resulting in Carmelo signing with them, like you start to get excited about adding a player like that. Um, and, and with other great players, be it Chris Paul and James Harden or LeBron, there's going to be a camaraderie there and they're going to figure out a way to, to make it work is my gut. And so I think you're excited about the opportunity to add a player like Carmelo at a number where his production and productivity far exceeds the cost. Yeah, I mean, I'd want to know what he thinks about coming off the bench, playing a secondary role. I mean, I think Oklahoma City would probably move off him anyway, but if he had went gone to them and said, look, I'll be a sixth man, you want to make Jeremy Grant the 
the starting small four. You want to play him in the fourth quarter, which I think they want to do anyway. Yeah. Um, I'm good with kind of being a 25 plus minute per game night type of guy. I think if he's, I think that would make Oklahoma City think a little bit about you know what do they want to do with him. Probably come off him anyway because the money. But yeah. You know, I, I look, I, I look at him. If Carmelo tells teams, look, I'm not a six man. I need to start. It shrinks the pool by a lot. Now maybe Houston's interested. Maybe LA is interested because of LeBron, but. How many other teams are really interested? Now, I, I wonder. I mean, I wonder why he wouldn't embrace that to some degree because he could tack a few extra years to me on, on his career by becoming a sixth man like that. I think against secondary guys, he could cook them a little bit. He could still be really effective, but against starters, and especially on the defensive end, he's just not as 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 effective anymore at this stage of his career. I mean, is that how big a factor is his role? Do you think going to be for Carmelo? It's, 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 it's very important. Um, and, you know, we see all the time with aging players, the, 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 the best players go from, you know, or let, let me start here. The, 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 the post-prime, like NBA career, pre-prime, you know, 18 to 22, 2022, prime 22 to 30 on average. And then post-prime really starts at 30. Players start to decline in terms of their production, maybe a little bit later than that. Um, not LeBron. LeBron is some superhuman. Uh, but, and so certainly Carmelo is going through the decline of the, the latter stages, stages in his career. And oftentimes for these elite players, that's hard. We've seen that over the years with a lot of guys. So there's no question that this is, this is a, a valid concern and something you've got to figure out. Um, but again, I, I just think with the respect of the, the great players, they're going to find a way to help him get through that, and he's going to land at a good place to try to figure out how to help the team. Does he help, like, does he help Houston? Like, Houston loses Trevor Reza, so they've got a spot open on the wing. But, but Carmelo's a different player than Trevor Reza. Trevor Reza is a jack-of-all-trades defender, whereas Carmelo is still kind of a volume shooter. You know, he, he adjusted nicely a couple of times, you know, changing positions in Oklahoma City, mm-hmm. changing spots on the floor where they kind of put him in, but... He still is a guy that holds the ball a lot, and that's kind of the opposite of what Trevor Reese is. Yeah, so that's the biggest challenge is, is just his nature to kind of stop it, hold it, his mm-hmm. game, foot fake, one dribble, pull-up jumper. Mm-hmm. And that evolution is the greater challenge. He's probably a better fit in, in Houston because they have two other you know, high, high usage guys with a lot of shooting around them. Whereas in LA, he's probably almost the same position as LeBron, though they, they play differently. Mm-hmm. Neither is a five. You can play small with one of them at the five, but neither is a five. And just the lack of shooting, kind of going back to our earlier conversation. Mm-hmm. So he's probably a better fit in a team like you know, Houston. The other team, is, you've heard, is Miami. And Miami has done an amazing job with some of these guys late into their career and how they've kind of envisioned them fitting. Um, and so I, you know, I could see that being like a natural transition to like help a guy at the very end of his career. Um, it's going to be need a scoring punch down there. I mean, they yeah. really missed waiters in the playoffs. I mean, they might have beaten Philly if they had uh, yeah. some extra scoring there. I don't know, man. The, the Carmelo one is 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 really interesting to see how it plays out because um, the fit is 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 a, is an unknown. Um, the kind of the the exit from Oklahoma City is is somewhat of an unknown though we, I I agree with you the timing it, of it is more when it's gonna like I mean I'm yeah. sure they're shopping him now but yeah. I mean what's what are you gonna do how are you gonna fit that yeah. contract under the cap it's just not likely no I mean there's only I mean the team right now with the most cap room is Atlanta and they they could do it to figure out a way to take him back but that'd be an awful lot of incentive for a one year I'm not sure that. Carmelo would want to go to Atlanta in that situation. Well, that would be a buyout. It'd, this, be, yeah, it'd, buy it'd, it'd be a trade out. into a buyout. Yeah, yeah, that's true. That, that's would, true. that would save Oklahoma City $100 million. And so, you know, maybe, maybe that happens. I don't know. I just, I mean, I think it'd be hilarious if Mike D'Antoni gets reunited with Carmelo Anthony. I mean, Carmelo Anthony, if he wasn't the reason that Mike D'Antoni quit in New York, he was right up there as like 1A. Like that was, like Carmelo's ball stopping drove Mike D'Antoni crazy. Now we've seen Mike D'Antoni 2.0 where he's gone from seven seconds or less to 22 seconds or more. So it's like, <laughs> you've good. got, yeah, I mean, you've got, you've got, all of a sudden you've got these ball stoppers. I kind of agree that like Carmelo now fits in with more of a Mike D'Antoni style than, than he did back in New York, but it would just be crazy to see them brought back together. We've seen a lot of relationships mm-hmm. on the men, Kobe and Phil Jackson yeah. being one of the best. You know, LeBron goes back to Cleveland with Dan Gilbert after your letter. Yep. Mike Brown is rehired in, uh, in um, in Cleveland, I mean, you can, we can keep going. My, yeah. my guess is these guys would laugh about it, 
and you know move on and try to help the team you win. Can, they can laugh about it all they want. Just don't lie about it. Don't be like, no, we oh, were no. fine. Like, yeah, they were That's, fine. Like, <laughs> I agree. Let, let's just authentically say, yes. transparently, look, it didn't work. We didn't get along. We've moved beyond it. I'm a different guy. He's a different That's guy. Right. That's we'll, right. We'll move on from that. All right, let me ask one more thing about the uh, restricted free agents out there. And restricted free agency market is always tough. Uh, because I'm sure as a GM, you got to think about how much do I offer him to make sure I get the deal or the team doesn't match, but I don't want to offer him too much. Mm -hmm. Um, It's been really quiet with the restricted free agency. I mean, Sacramento being Sacramento and I'll take, I'll hit them on my own, (laughs) like just a four year. I mean, you should thank God Sacramento. If you're listening to me out there, thank God that they matched that contract. You have Bogdanovic, you have Buddy Heald, and you're going to give Zach Levine $80 million. Be thankful, be thankful. That's just my rant on, on, on that one there. But you've got some other guys out there. You've got Marcus Smart still lurking out there. You've got Rodney Hood still lurking out there. Uh, I think Clint Capella ultimately gets done because everybody kind of knows Houston's going to match pretty much anything if it comes across the table. Um, but what, any, anything surprise you about this restricted free agency market and how it's been pretty dry for some of these guys? Well, historically, restricted free agency has taken longer um, in the past. Uh, I mean, we've seen some restricted free agencies be holdouts into the regular season, and a lot of them get done in August and September. So it, but most recently, restricted free agency has gone faster. Brooklyn being, you know, one of the teams with all this cap oh, room. They made a lot of friends they, with how they, they were they signing did. guys to those, those uh, max contracts right away. A lot of friends. That's right. So, so a, a lot of this is just a system change, right? The, the, the cap spikes, these teams that aren't going to sign unrestricted guys, they go after the restricted guys, so it moves that market faster. And all of a sudden, we expect the restricted free agency market to go faster when historically it's gone slower. And w- whenever you see non-max very quick restricted free agent deals done um oftentimes those end up being bad team deals Mm -hmm. um and because usually time takes it time is your kind of kind of advantage for a team in restricted free agency because the marketplace gets spent up um and teams are you know they don't want to tie their money up even though you really don't tie your money up that much Mm because you can still hold people off most often sometimes there's a timing issue but and, and recently we've seen some dumb, right? Nurkic is done. Uh, we saw Kyle Anderson. Just That was an interesting one. With, oh, yeah. With Memphis. Get your money, Kyle. <laughs> Go get your money. I, hey, I'm happy for Kyle. He's hey, a nice player. Nice guy. Good, good I, person. I don't think San Antonio thought too long about the decision not to match, though. That's a lot of money yeah, for Kyle Anderson. Kyle did well. Yeah. Kyle did well. And then, you know, Levine, as you're talking about, done. So we've seen come, some, of them, some of them come off the market. And now we really only have three teams with 10 or more in room in mm. Chicago, Sac, and Atlanta. Um, some of those teams are gonna. We're gonna see some tri- some money trades. Mm-hmm. We're gonna see more, like Der- like Den- Denver in the tax with a couple one year contracts that are outside the rotation. Mm-hmm. Uh, Washington in the tax with a couple guys on one year contracts that are outside the rotation. You know, Josh- Jason mm-hmm. Smith and Jody Meeks and Darrell Arthur and Kenneth Fareed. Like um, Oklahoma City deep into the tax mm-hmm. with a one year guy in Kyle Singler who's outside the rotation. My gut is you're going to see those guys move around to some of these to some of this money that'll that teams like Chicago and Atlanta probably prioritize right now because they want that incentive more than the restricted free agents. Mm-hmm. So then that means the restricted free agency market market goes even slower. It seems though like Sacramento might be the most active team and trying to add a player through restricted free agency so maybe he's the de- maybe sacramento is the destination for a marcus smart offer sheet or a rodney hood offer sheet or some of these other players oh, if you're an agent you're calling vlade every day yeah. and like man you know give my guy this kind of offer i mean they've they've been used for that before i mean west matthews yeah. used them for that uh, to some degree i thought monte ellis even though it's an unrestricted guy yeah. used them as leverage for some uh and now you have zach levine signing that that offer sheet there, um, smarts. I mean, but how much as a, as a GM is it like, do you say, say to yourself, I don't want to waste my time, you know, trying to construct a deal that won't get matched. Like if, if there's so many other pieces on the chessboard out there, is that a factor at all? Like, I don't want to. Oh yeah. Devote, like, yeah. Yeah. Like if it, at least my, my experience in it is I don't want to waste my time going down the path. Cause you, you said Brooklyn makes a lot of friends and they do make some friends. Like when you do these offer sheets, but if it's just a false or a hollow offer sheet that, you know, somebody's going to match that you just run the number up. Like you got a colleague on the other no, side, they make a lot of enemies. That's, yeah. what, that's kind of what I meant there. The yeah. enemies they're making for with sure. these teams. They're like, yeah. are you seriously yeah, giving like, this guy? Like, like I didn't want to pay him that. Yeah. Like I'm not going to run that up. Like, and cause then what happens if they don't match? Mm-hmm. That's why like in restrictive free agency, I've never really, we took a little bit of a different stance. You hear all the time we're going to match 
we're going to match. We're going to match anything. Mm-hmm. From, from the team that's saying that, right, which is the incumbent team, that's telling everybody, run the number up and we're going to match. Mm-hmm. The, the, the other way to say it is, you know what, we'll match what we're comfortable with and create just a little bit of doubt. Because that's how you might be able to work yourself into a more team-friendly deal. And, and it worked out for us with Jeff Teague in, uh, mm-hmm. in Milwaukee a, a number of years ago. It was quite a while ago. It was here. We actually matched that contract in the uh, – we got the email, the offer sheet, in Thomas and Mac parking lot <laughs> one night. Um, with, uh, and it, it ended up being a, a, a fair deal for everybody around. And um, we, we, J- Jeff Teague, by the way, is just a, a great person. But – Another interesting restricted free agent on the, in this marketplace is uh, Jabari Parker. Yeah. And the question I have with not just Jabari, but Marcus Smart and some of these other guys that are available, Rodney Hood, who's going to sign the qualifying offer and look to 2019 and all of that money and bet on themselves, take a little bit less and say, you know what, I'm going to play on the one year and then I'm going to get to 2019. And Probably depends on like, I mean... You know, a guy like Jabari was coming off two major knee injuries. I would imagine he'd want some security on that. Same thing with Marcus Smart, kind of the way he plays. Like, he's, he's kamikaze out there a lot. Like, you, you know, tear up your thumb again or you tear an Achilles. I mean, I mean look at what's happened to Isaiah Thomas. Look at yeah. what's happened to DeMarcus Cousins. I mean, I would imagine that, you know, the qualifying offer, like, on paper, object, like, from the 10,000 feet seems like a good idea because of all those reasons. But um, I, I'd, I'd be pretty nervous about some of these guys about taking that one-year deal. For sure, also because it's the first time to make a, a significant amount of money on a long-term deal. Mm-hmm. I, you oftentimes see the one-year contract in the third contract where they, you, know, you have the rookie scale, which is, which is good money. Then you have the second contract, which is generational, like security. Oh, yeah. And then now that creates the optionality into the third or fourth contracts. You can take shorter deals because you can fall back on kind of your, your financial security. And so that's, that, that's the overlay in this qualifying offer decision that you got to bet on. Do you take, let's just say, like the qualifying offer for a guy like Jabari is $4 million. Let, let's just hypothetically say it's $30 million bucks that he's that, that he's looking at in a conversation with Milwaukee. Um, and he wants 80, you know, like, do you, do you bet 50 and risk 30, mm-hmm. you know, it's, or 26, I guess it, right. it's, it's a really difficult, um, difficult game to play. Offer sheets in the parking lot. Offer nice. sheets in the parking lot. Nice. That's just one of the many benefits of summer league, which has become a monster, by the way. I mean, oh, man. all 30 NBA teams uh, out here in Vegas, they are doing incredible numbers, not just even the Vegas summer league. I saw Sacramento did, what, 50,000 fans yeah. for their summer league. Utah continues to set uh, records. I mean, these, you could extend these things two weeks, and it would still be a monster. Please don't extend it no, two no, weeks. Believe me, I've heard that. It, I mean, it, it is a monster. It is awesome. It, it is the it is basketball Disneyland. Yes, there's nothing. There's no better event. You, you know, one of the cool things. I mean, there's so many cool things about summer league. But after watching players through the draft and grinding on the draft and trying to figure it all out, one of the so there's so many challenges in the draft. But one of them is level. You see the mid major college versus the low major college versus you know the Eastern European player, and then all of a sudden. That those are all different levels versus the high major. And then all of a sudden you're at the same level in the NBA and it's the best kind of barometer to get a sense of, wow, where are things at? And so this is the best event, but please, like two more weeks. Yeah. Summer league is where you want to win early and lose late. <laughs> Nobody wants to be in the playoffs. Like everybody wants out of the summer league playoffs. Nobody wants to be hoisting the trophy in front of like 3,000 people while your executives are in the... 13th row like head tilted back like god get me get me out of here but let me ask you about the these rosters i mean obviously you want your top guys on the roster how do you put together a summer league roster like what who are some of these guys most of whom are never going to set foot in Mm -hmm. an nba uh gym most of them are never going to get invited to training camp Mm -hmm. like what's the are are these some of these like favors to agents to some of these guys you just like are trying to take a flyer on what's the what's the process of putting together a summer league team yeah so it's uh Long-time summer, summer league GM, so a lot of experience doing it. Um, some years we've lost a lot of games. Some years we've won a lot of games. Uh, and the two-way contract have changed a little bit. Right. So every, every team's two-way contracts guys are kind of plugged in if they have them under contract. Uh, 
And then what you often try to do is, is you pencil in your young players. So let's just say you have, you know, two players with two years or fewer service on your roster. You're going to plug in your point guard and your power forward. And then you, if you have two two-way guys, they're a wing and a, and a, and a center, then you've got your kind of one, two, four, and five set. So now what you're going to do is you're going to go to ch- the, the, the best players outside the NBA in Europe, um, maybe, in the D, maybe in the G League. I'm sorry, I'm, a D, I'm an old yeah. D-League guy, so like I, I, I have a hard time with G-League. But you go to the G-League, and what you'll do is you'll plug in one or two players that you have interest in or you've been following before the draft. So you go into draft night with, let's just say, kind of five guys penciled in. And the guys that you don't control the rights of, oftentimes with the agent, you've said, listen, you have an opportunity. We're good. We're going to honor that opportunity no matter what happens draft night. But if our opportunity changed from a playing perspective, we're going to give you the, the out. Mm-hmm. So it's like the, the player is protected. But if the situation changes, you know, you've got your small forward who is, the, is your, your gap, your hole. So you get the best available non-NBA player small forward mm-hmm. on the market. Um, but then on draft night, if you draft a small forward, the agent's going to call you and be like, yo, what happened to my opportunity? And that's where you'll let them go somewhere else. Mm-hmm. And so what the, the third step of this is draft. You plug in your draft night holes. Mm-hmm. And then the fourth step is after the draft at player 60 is picked. Mm-hmm. Now there's a race to kind of lock up the best available undrafted players to add to your roster. Mm-hmm. And then you get to the agent favors mm-hmm. and you'll end up filling in on the back end of the roster for guys that'll, you know, that guys that need homes and you'll, you'll put them on a roster. There's some summer league legends here. We were talking before we started about Jack Cooley, who I think I've seen like eight consecutive <laughs> years here yeah. in summer league, I, uh, different teams. And he got himself a two way contract out of it with Sacramento. What was it uh, last year? Yeah. Uh, but some of these guys are like, you know, 25 to 30. I mean, they're on the oh, other side. Yeah. No, no, no. Like there's uh there's been a lot of summer league veterans. Veterans. I call them legends. Let's go the boys Le- of summer. Le- the men of summer. Legends. The men of summer. It's great. Yeah. Wes, always appreciate the time, man. Thanks for joining me here. Thank you, buddy. It was fun. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is uncanny usa he says somebody's in the house and i screamed listen to uncanny usa wherever you get your bbc podcasts if you dare there's no distance too far for the perfect trip hi checking in for or the perfect table hey where are you And when you get access to Resi Priority Notify with your Amex Platinum card. Hey, this looks amazing. I'm so glad you made it. And travel benefits at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel. It's worth the trip. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details.